You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual I want to admit to a bias, a bias shared by all advice columnists and advice podcasters everywhere. We're biased in favor of the solvable problem. If there's something we can say that might be helpful or constructive, we want to say it. It's been a little more than two weeks since Hamas terrorists murdered more than 1,400 innocent Israeli civilians, men, women, children, infants, and two weeks since Israel began reprisals against Hamas, reprisals that are killing innocent Palestinian civilians in Gaza, men, women, children, infants. And I haven't said anything because I don't think there's anything I could say that would be helpful or constructive. If someone doesn't say something or doesn't say something right away, it's not because they don't care. I do care. I try to be mindful, though, of what people come to a show like this for, People come for a break from the horrors of the news. I'm obsessed with the war in Ukraine, a Russian war of aggression against Ukraine, and I follow the news of that war very closely, but I haven't talked about it much here because, again, I don't think there's anything helpful or constructive I could say or say here. There are tons of news and current event podcasts out there. I hope you're listening to a lot of those too, but news and current events aren't why you're listening to this podcast. You come here for a break. A little diversion, maybe a little perversion. But I did want to say that I am aware of what is going on and I am absolutely heartbroken and angry. I want all attacks on civilians to stop. I want attacks, period, to stop. I want the hostages freed. I want the water turned on. I want Israel to be safe and Jews all over the world to be safe. And I want Palestine to be free and Muslims all over the world to be safe. I want peace. All right, this is going to make for a slightly awkward transition in tone and content as we shift back to the usual stuff I would talk about at the top of the Savage Lovecast. Did you hear the one about the founder of a megachurch who was ordered to pay a woman $2.4 million after giving her herpes five years ago? The Reverend Dr. Ralph D. West II, founder of the Church Without Walls and the Church Without a Health Plan that covers valocyclovir, He slept with a woman he met on Facebook in 2018, a woman who then came down with genital herpes and who claimed that Dr. West was the only person that could have given it to her because she hadn't slept with anyone else that she'd met on Facebook recently. She confronted Reverend West, who didn't deny having herpes in their text exchanges that were introduced into evidence in court, but he did attempt to shift the blame. He got it from his son's mother, so it wasn't his fault, it was hers. As much as I love to see bad things happen to bad people, and I'm sorry, but anyone who founded a megachurch is bad people in my book until proven otherwise. Too many scammers up there on altars, too many rapists, too many rape apologists, too many youth pastor enablers, too many anti-LGBT bigots, too many COVID denialists, too many gun fetishists, too many prosperity gospel con men, too many bad people in their number to give any single pastor, founder of a megachurch, the benefit of a single solitary doubt. All right, maybe that's too harsh. I'm sure some of them are nice people, but Jesus isn't sending his best. That said, I did a little digging into Reverend West after the story broke last week. 
Found this in his bio, Reverend West's preaching style includes careful explanation of scripture combined with his signature ability to tell indelible stories from contemporary life. He also makes penetrating application of the text to his people. Reverend West, is that the text in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? And in fairness, unlike a lot of megachurch websites I've had cause to visit over the years, the Church Without Walls or Bellas Cyclavir isn't dripping with hate, to its credit. I wasted 20 minutes of my life that I will never get back digging around on their website, and I didn't find out anything on their website letting me know where the church or Reverend West stands on all the big litmus test slash culture war issues that help us slot people, politicians, and pastors into their political silos these days. Trump, choice, LGBT rights, not on there that I could find. So this is a church that isn't leading with hate, and that's a relief. I gotta say, so long as churches stay out of politics, so long as they're only forbidding things for or demanding things from their members, I don't really give a shit what they believe until I remember that there are kids in churches who are too young to know who they are yet and didn't consent to being dragged into those churches in the first place, and then my concerns resurface. If people could just leave kids out of it, if churches were run more like I don't know, BDSM clubs and kink fetish parties, if only consenting adults were allowed inside, I'd be a lot more comfortable with them. So long as they weren't, you know, trying to impose their beliefs on non-believers or indoctrinating children. And so long as they were paying taxes, which of course, at the moment, they do not. Anyway, back to Reverend West. Texas doesn't have a law that criminalizes STI transmission. In a weirdly progressive move for Texas, it was the first state to repeal its law passed in the 80s criminalizing HIV transmission. That was back in 1994 when Ann Richards, a Democrat, was the governor of Texas. There are still laws on the books in 35 states that criminalize the transmission of HIV and or other STIs. And researchers and scientists at the Centers for Disease Control regard these laws as outdated and unhelpful. And again, Texas doesn't have a law specifically criminalizing the transmission of HIV or other STIs, but a person or a pastor who does such a thing can still be charged with assault and sued for damages, which is what happened to Reverend West. Sued for damages and sued very successfully. I wanted to talk about this story because I saw it flying around on a lot of liberal and progressive websites and on social media accounts of a lot of liberals and progressives. And there was a lot of glee about it, particularly from gay and queer writers and tweeters and posters and TikTokers and Instagrammers. Another pastor busted for the kind of sexual morality they're always accusing us of. Oh, the hypocrisy of it all. But guys, my fellow queers, are ruinous fines for STI transmission really something we want to endorse? I mean, considering the much higher rates of STI transmission among gay and bi men and men who have sex with men and among trans women, I don't think we should be the first to throw stones from the inside of our glass bathhouse. But I wanted a gut check, so I reached out via email to a couple of regular guest experts, Dr. Debbie Herbenick and Dr. Ina Park. Dr. Herbenick, frequent guest here on the Lovecast, is a professor of public health at Indiana University and author of the new book, Yes, Your Kid, What Parents Need to Know About Today's Teens and Sex. Pre-order it now. Here's what Debbie had to say to me about Reverend West via email. These cases are really, really complicated, especially for those of us who would like to see shame and stigma removed from STIs. But it's really not about the STI. 
but the lying and removal of meaningful consent. There's a big difference between accidents happen and intentionally putting someone at risk without their consent, which is what Dr. West seems to have done here. Didn't disclose, didn't take steps to protect his partner. Meds and condoms don't provide 100% protection against herpes transmission, but they do significantly lower the risk of transmission. Dr. Ina Park, professor at the University of California, San Francisco School of Medicine, consultant for the CDC Division of STD Prevention, had this to say via email, deliberately withholding your HSV status puts you into douchebag category, though I understand the fear of rejection and why people sometimes don't disclose. Still, Dr. Park continues, you should. However, having to pay millions for spreading HSV is not the right message we want to send about this infection, especially because one half of America has HSV-1. The problem with laws that criminalize STI transmission, the problem with high-profile lawsuits with big payouts like this one, is that they create an enormous disincentive to test Reverend West was held liable because he knew he had HSV and didn't disclose. He'd been tested. The takeaway from a story like this for some people is going to be don't fail to disclose. But the takeaway for many others is going to be don't get tested. Because if Reverend West didn't know, if he'd never been tested, he wouldn't have been liable. Then it would have been an accident. Again, no sympathy for the megachurch pastor here. He should have disclosed. He should have used protection, both the latex and pharmacological varieties. And as a megachurch pastor, he can probably spare the money. But cases like this, cases that make the news and make the rounds on social media, cases where someone was punished for arguably and obviously doing the wrong thing, yeah, they can backfire by inspiring people not to do the right thing. Again, not to get tested, not to get treated. As the CDC says about these disclosure laws, which are still on the books in 35 states, they have been shown to increase stigma, exacerbate disparities, and discourage testing. All right, coming up on today's Savage Lovecast, on the micro Savage Lovecast, tons of your cues, lots of my A's, and on the magnum Savage Lovecast, activist and author Alicia Roth Weigel joins me to talk about her fascinating and often hilarious new memoir, about growing up and being intersex in Verse Cowgirl. All that coming up on today's show. We're partnering with No CD to raise awareness about OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts about your relationship stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away. That's OCD. Breaking the OCD cycle takes effective treatment. Go to nocd.com savage to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the best mattress for your individualized comfort. Right now, my listeners get 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Go to helixsleep.com slash savage. This episode is brought to you by the Meridian Trimmer, the very best tool for trimming your body hair. Go to meridiangrooming.com and use the code SAVAGE for an exclusive 15% off. Hi, Dan. I am a bisexual woman in my early 30s. I have a male partner who is interested in exploring butt play, which we've never done before. We have some anal toys that we have used on me. If we're fluid bonded, is it safe to use those toys on him? Or is there some other kind of like butt related risk that we wouldn't get from genital to genital contact? 
It's funny, this topic has come up a couple of times in drunken conversation with people at parties, and that's as specific as I'm going to get. The desire on the part of a couple to use on him the butt toys that they had been together using on her. And in one case, the couple told me, because they were drunk and at a party, and people tell me things when they're drunk and at parties that they don't tell other people who are drunk and at parties. I was sober at that party, but my ears were open and this got poured into them. They told me that they wanted new butt toys, that he wanted to bond with his butt toys and wanted them to be all about his butt. He wanted the toy going into him to be a virgin butt toy, just like his butt was a virgin receiver of penetration play of butt toys. And the other guy in one of these opposite sex, but not straight couples that I talked to drunken at a party told me that they were going to start using on him toys they'd used on her. And he was really into the idea of her penetrating him with things that he had used to penetrate her because of the inversion, the flipping of the script. And for him, it was really symbolically fraught. It was (laughs) ha ha ha, loaded that she would be using on him these butt toys that he had previously used on her. All right, that wasn't your question. How many other couples are out there doing this that have talked to Dan drunkenly at parties? Not your question. Your question was, is there anything you really need to worry about here? Any butt-specific conditions? Well, no, not butt-specific ones. If you are cleaning these toys between use, between butts and not going, from butt to butt or any other hole to butt to butt to any other hole, you will be fine. Invest in some good silicone toys that you can toss in the dishwasher when it's time to sterilize them or some really great, there are great stainless steel and some glass butt toys out there that you can also toss in the dishwasher or in the case of those stainless steel butt toys, boil or briefly dip into boiling water if you really want to make sure that they are good and sterile. But so long as you're cleaning those butt toys between use and you're not using a butt toy that has a porous surface, not using a cheap ass butt toy made of mystery plastic meat. Yeah, there's no danger here of you doing some sort of accidental fecal transplant and uh, making your boyfriend sick. So get that toy into his butt and enjoy. And then next time you see me at a party, we're ever at a party together, and you guys are drunk and I'm sober, feel free not to fill me in. We're partnering with NoCD to raise awareness about OCD. OCD is more than what you see on TV and in the movies. Imagine having unwanted thoughts about your relationships stuck in your head all day long, no matter how hard you try to make them go away. That's relationship OCD. It comes with unrelenting intrusive images, thoughts, and urges about your partner or loved one. If you think you may be struggling with relationship OCD, there's hope. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. NoCD therapists are trained in exposure response prevention therapy, the gold standard treatment for OCD. With NoCD, you can do virtual live face-to-face video sessions with one of their licensed specialty trained therapists. It's affordable and they accept most major insurance plans. Breaking the relationship OCD cycle takes effective treatment. To get started with NoCD, go to nocd.com slash savage. That's nocd.com slash savage to book a free 15-minute call today. 
Hey, Dan, 35-year-old gay man uh, living in New England. I was seeing a guy for a couple months, not really dating, just seeing. And one night after a party, he went to sleep really early. And one thing leads to another, and I ended up hooking up <laughs> with his best friend and roommate. It was very hot. <laughs> uh, totally happenstance, totally organic encounter. We both afterwards realized, hey, we shouldn't have did, did this. Um, you know, he's your best friend. I'm seeing him kind of, never spoke of it again, never did it again. Fast forward a few months, the guy I was seeing has since moved out of the state, and I kind of said, you know, with us doing long distance, I don't think this really works, you know, for us to pursue each other anymore. And, you know, that has since cooled down. And then the first time that I saw the friend again, you know, after these few months, we had a great day and night together and ended up hooking up again. And then we've proceeded to see each other and hook up and spend quality time together getting to know each other for the past few weeks, you know, basically every weekend. The issue is now he's having a lot of anxiety that his friend is going to find out, that their friend group is going to find out, that you know he's going to lose his friends because of this. And it's giving him a lot of anxiety, which is making it hard for us to figure out how we can hang out and not have it all blow up in his face. Because clearly we both do enjoy spending time with each other and really like each other and are enjoying getting to know each other. So I guess my question for you is, is there a way to overcome the bro code that has somehow put me off limits, you know, to this guy simply because I was seeing his friend at some point? I don't think we'd ever disclose the the first hookup to people. That's our little secret. But I mean, everything after I stopped seeing his friend, I think, doesn't really matter. There is no bro code in Gayland. We do not have the luxury of playing these kinds of insecure, weird-ass straight games where, you know, anybody who is a friend of an ex is off limits and any friend of yours who would date an ex of yours is not a friend of yours anymore. We don't have the luxury. We are such a comparatively tiny percentage of the population that we can't play straight reindeer games like this, which most gays and lesbians get intuitively or internalize the first time it's explained to them which is why you see way more exes and former or even current FWBs on the guest lists at gay and lesbian weddings, perhaps more current FWBs at the gay weddings than the lesbian weddings and more exes officiating at the lesbian weddings than at the gay ones. But you see that at gay and lesbian weddings, it's a cliche about gay and lesbian weddings because we don't play games like this, this bro code bullshit. We don't do this. We get it. People sometimes meet through friends and sometimes people meet a friend of somebody that they're casually hooking up with, click with that friend and wind up with that friend. And if that happens to you, if you were casually hooking up with somebody and then you moved the fuck away, like this guy moved the fuck away and things reached a natural conclusion with the person that you were hooking up with and they met a friend of yours or they began to hook up with a friend of yours that they met at a party at your house where you are presumed not to have hooked up with them, even if you kind of did, and you find out, if this guy finds out what's going on, he should be happy for you. And his friends, your mutual friends, they should be happy for you that Dick kind of brought you together. Look, you're 35 fucking years old. You should know this already. Everyone in this friend group should know this already. And if anyone in this friend group 
doesn't know it already, if they don't regard how you two met as Dick Kismet, Dick Yahtzee, just one of those dick things, just one of those gay male web of sexual connection and friendship connection, kind of meet cute, meet dirty stories, then they all need to learn it. You need to learn it. And this, you guys coming out as dating and seeing each other now, maybe that's how everyone is going to learn it if they don't already know it. I predict that your nervousness and this guy that you're sounds like you're beginning to develop feelings for and is beginning to develop feelings for you that his nervousness is misplaced. Hopefully the reaction you're going to get from everybody else is, yeah, we kind of knew or, Hey, that's great. And hopefully that's the reaction you'll get from the guy that you used to be hooking up with the guy whose friend, whose best friend you're with now, hopefully his reaction will be, you know what? You two make sense together and that's great. And I'm happy for you. And if that's not his reaction, well, fuck him. What are you going to do? Not fuck this guy, not date this guy, not see this guy. Well, obviously that's not what you're going to do because you're fucking and dating and seeing this guy. And if all of your mutual friends freak the fuck out and play games, well, they were bad and shitty friends. They were bad and shitty and clueless gay people who believed in the bro code, who somehow got infected by the bro code. They spent too much time in dorm rooms with straight people listening to them bitch about the friend who began to date one of their exes from eight years ago and assumed that that applied in gay relationships too. When I'm here to tell you it does the fuck not apply, does not apply. I should know. Don't think it should apply in straight relationships, but it certainly doesn't apply in gay ones. We do not have the luxury. Our numbers are too small. Mattresses. When you think about how much time you spend on your mattress every night, and then you think about how long you stick with one mattress, you should get the best mattress you can. And that mattress, without question, is a Helix Sleep mattress. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix Sleep lineup offers 14 unique mattresses, including a new collection of six luxury models called Helix Elite. These mattresses are loaded up with super high-tech features like a built-in cooling cover, comfort layers tailored to sleeping position support, and edge reinforcement. And every Helix Elite mattress comes with a 15-year manufacturer's warranty and the same 100-night trial as the rest of Helix mattresses. Take the Helix Sleep Quiz now to find your perfect mattress in under two minutes, and your personalized mattress will be shipped straight to your door free of charge for that 100-night trial. You get to try out your new Helix mattress, see how your body adjusts, and if you decide it's not the best fit for you, you are welcome to return it for a full refund. Right now, Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for my listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash savage for 20% off. This is their best offer yet. It won't last long. Go to Helix. Go now with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Hi, Dan. I'm 23 years old. I'm a cisgendered bisexual woman in a monogamous heterosexual relationship with a 26-year-old cisgendered male. My question is, I've, I've been with this person for three years. About six, seven months ago, we did break up for a month. I was feeling bored 
And there were a lot of issues with my drinking, I guess. And he had a lot of issues with his own insecurities, such as jealousy. And he doesn't always know how to communicate his anxiousness and his stress and his nervousness or his emotions. When we broke up, we definitely both went and we worked on our issues. He worked on setting his boundaries and dealing a little bit more with the idea that a relationship isn't everything and you do have to find yourself. I did the same thing too. I also worked on addressing my issues with drinking head on. I wasn't an alcoholic, but I certainly did drink too much when I was anxious. It's kind of a crutch. And I did show alcoholic tendencies. And when I was drunk, I said horrible, mean things. You know, we got back together because we really missed each other and we genuinely loved each other. I just worry sometimes being back in a relationship with someone you've broken up with is scary. People often say that once you've broken up, it probably won't last more than that. I have issues with abandonment from my father who basically cheated on my mother when he got bored and I struggle with the idea that monogamy is even is even real. There's a part of me that thinks men can't be monogamous and stay forever and people change and that's scary. I guess my question is, if you go back in a relationship, how do you make sure you don't make the same mistakes? What can we do to build upon a relationship that we restarted? That if you think of a house being built layer by layer, every every day you spend together, there is one layer that is just very fragile and crumbly. And do we keep building this house or do we have to knock that down and start from scratch? All right. People say it won't work out with someone you broke up with. People say all sorts of shit. People say rebound relationships never work. Some do. People say open relationships never last. And yet some do. People say gay people are never happy. And some of us are. Despite the best efforts of the haters out there to confirm their priors and their bigotry by trying to make us miserable, we're not miserable. Some of us, not all of us, not most of us. Will things work out with your boyfriend? They might, they might not. What you should be focused on is not what other people say about whether it will ever work out with somebody that you broke up with for just a month. What you need to work on is what you learned during the first time that you two were together during your first relationship with each other. He needs to address his own insecurities. He needs to learn how to self-soothe just a little bit. You need to not drink or not drink so much. If drinking makes you mean, if you are a mean drunk, don't get drunk. And you both need to carve out time alone, time alone as individuals to see your own friends, to tend your other relationships, your other platonic relationships. So you don't feel like you're sacrificing everything for each other. Don't make the young and stupid mistake of assuming that since you're a couple, you have to be together 24 hours a day, that you can only do things that both of you want to do. If he wants to join a kickball league and you don't like kickball, let him go join a kickball league. And on the nights he's at kickball, go to the movies with your girlfriends, hang out with some other people, do something that you enjoy that he doesn't. Have your own lives then you won't feel like you're sacrificing everything for each other because then you won't be sacrificing everything for each other. How do you make sure you don't make the same mistakes? You know what? You are going to make the same mistakes and he's going to make the same mistakes. He will 
have insecure moments, you may say, at a time of stress, while you're stone cold sober, something unkind. What you can do, what you can try to do, what you can promise each other you're going to try to do and then forgive each other when you fall short is to react differently when you make the same mistakes. You will be conscious and considerate of his insecurities without being controlled by them. He will forgive you for a moment's unkindness when you were under stress, so long as you weren't drunk and mean and vicious, you will give each other permission to go places and do things and see people alone. But there are no guarantees. You can't know if this will work out, if you give it, if you give him, if you give the two of you another chance. But you know what? You can know for sure it won't work out if you don't give it and him and the two of you another chance. Your boyfriend isn't your dad. He's a cis male, like your dad, but he's another human being. That said, men cheat. Women cheat too. And women are rapidly closing the infidelity gap. So you may wind up cheating on him or cheating on him first. And what then? Well, then you'll have to confront that crisis in your relationship if you ever find out he cheated on you and maybe you won't. Maybe it'll be a one-time thing that he'll take to the grave, which I would recommend. I often do recommend if it's a one-time thing. But you just have to accept and be a little bit zen about the fact that monogamy executed perfectly over the course of if you do stay together, you and your boyfriend for the rest of your lives, the next 50 fucking years, doing that perfectly, that's hard. Monogamy is hard for everyone. And you shouldn't assume that just because monogamy is really important to you now that it's going to be important to you in the same way forever. Or that an infidelity, if it ever happens, isn't something that you could forgive or that he could forgive if you cheat on him first or you cheat on him too. And you shouldn't assume that it's something you could never get past or work through together as a couple because then that ups the chances that if it does happen that you won't be able to forgive it, that you won't be able to work through it together as a couple and save your relationship. This episode is brought to you by the Meridian Trimmer, my new favorite tool for shaving down there. Meridian offers powerful trimmers that cut through even the coarsest hair, but their trimmers are gentle enough for your privates. You'll enjoy a comfortable shave below the belt with no nicks, cuts, or ingrowns. Meridian trimmers are for men, they're for women, they're for non-binary folks, and they're for any style, whether you prefer completely bare, neatly trimmed scruff, or a well-rounded bush. This high-quality waterproof trimmer is fitted with a 6,000 RPM motor, safe ceramic blades, and an anti-nick shaving guard. And Meridian has so many happy customers, over 1,000 five-star reviews online. With the Meridian trimmer, you can get your body hair looking just how you like it and feel good and sexy with your fuzz. Get a Meridian trimmer today for the ultimate trimming experience without the pain, discomfort, or awkwardness. Order now and take control of your grooming routine on your own terms. Listeners of the Savage Lovecast get an extra 15% off your order using the coupon code SAVAGE. Go to M-E-R-I-D-I-A-N grooming.com and use the code SAVAGE for an exclusive 15% off. You deserve a better and safer below-the-belt trimming experience, and with Meridian Trimmer, you can get one today. Hi, Dan. I'm a 35-year-old cis bisexual woman living in a major urban area in the U.S., and I've been happily married to a man for about 13 years. 
We got married in our early 20s, which I know you would say is too young, but it has worked well overall. The one thing that has proven tricky is that my husband didn't realize this about himself when we got married, but hot wifing is his primary kink. I'm more inclined toward monogamy. We have tried ethical non-monogamy for a while, about 10 years ago, and it went pretty well, but I ended up getting my heart broken and wanted to step back from it for quite a while. Then we had kids and we didn't have time for ethical non-monogamy for quite a while, but now we're at a place where we have time again, and he would really, really love for me to hook up with someone new. He's also willing to pay the price of admission and go without that part of his sexuality, being satisfied in reality if I say no. But I've decided that I would like to try to go there because, uh, of course, along with being fun for him, it could, of course, be fun for me. But I recently tried to start something with someone and it didn't work out, which is disappointing, but ultimately fine. And the problem is that I'm just kind of an excitable person in general, and I get so worked up at the prospect of connecting sexually with someone new that it makes me sort of miserable. So I become incredibly horny, which that part can be fun, but then I also can't sleep. And I have a demanding career that requires my full mental faculties. So not getting enough rest is a big problem. I'm also kind of distracted. It makes me more irritable with my kids, which isn't how I want to be as a parent. And I'm fine in terms of keeping my excitement to myself and not letting it impact how I behave towards the person I'm interested in and like acting chill. But it makes me kind of miserable as I'm just waiting to see how things will develop. And then I get really, really disappointed if things don't turn into anything. So do you have any advice for ways to get myself to just kind of chill the fuck out about new potential sexual partners and let things unfold? I want to be able to try to do this for my husband, and I think I'll enjoy it too if I can get over this and just relax a little bit. Here's what it sounds like you're doing, and I'm not saying that this is a mistake, and this is how a lot of women who are married and are in open relationships with men who are cuckolds or into hot wifing, this is how they do it for their own safety and emotional comfort, but also their own safety, physical safety, is they don't just go to a bar, pick up a guy, bang that guy, go home to the husband, one and done. They find somebody maybe on, you know, one of the more progressive or kinkier hookup apps like Field or FetLife, and they get to know that person and they vet that person a little bit and maybe make a little bit of an emotional investment in that person for their own safety, for their own comfort. And then, you know, after you've made that kind of investment, if it doesn't work out, you're disappointed. And it sounds like you, in particular, when you make that kind of investment, you get a little horny and worked up and the anticipation drives you a little crazy. And that can be good. That kind of horny anticipation is one of the things that people who are into swinging or have open relationships talk about improving their primary relationships. You know, you're seeking sex or getting sex outside the relationship and you're cranked up all the time or horny all the time or horny in anticipation of a play party that's coming up or a big kink event that's coming up and you're talking to your primary partner, your spouse about what's coming your way, about the dick you're going to climb up on and then you find yourself climbing up on your spouse's dick, almost as if it's the brand new dick you're anticipating. So that anticipatory horniness can really redound to the benefit of the primary relationship if you're fucking your spouse. So you say you get really tense and you have a hard time chilling out and then you have a hard time sleeping. Are you masturbating before bed? If your husband is into hot wifing, he probably would get off on hearing about how excited you are to meet this person that you've been chatting with 
can you tell your husband those kinds of things and masturbate together? And then maybe, you know, you both catch a groove and you want to do something a little bit more involved. I realize your parents are under a lot of stress. There's time pressures here. Maybe you don't want to upgrade to full sex, but you may be inspired to every once in a while, you know, shift those gears and go from, let's just have a quick wank to fucking each other's brains out before bed. That might help relieve some of your horny stress that's building up in anticipation of meeting up with one of these guys. Another way, you know, if what you're doing is vetting these guys for your own safety and comfort, another way that you could approach hot wifing is not you getting on the apps, not you getting on the hookup sites and chasing somebody down that you can do this with for your husband's pleasure, but also importantly for your own but going to one of those big hotel takeovers that the Venus Cuckoldress is always talking about on the Venus Cuckoldress podcast, where people gather together, they go to a hotel for the weekend, all the other couples in the world who want to fuck around with other people who are swingers or married or into hot wiping or cuckolding show up, coincidentally enough, at that same hotel for that same weekend. That's why they call it a hotel takeover. And then, you know, you weren't able to vet those guys that you're going to meet there by chance in advance. But a lot of people who go to these things are regular attendees. You can meet people and then meet people that that person that you just met has already swung with or fucked or had a hot wifing or cuckolding scene with and ask for references on the spot. And then all of your effort and all your horniness will be contained in that weekend or on that night. You say your new parents, you have little kids at home. Do you have mom and dad who can come spend the weekend or would be happy to come spend the weekend so you and the husband can have a weekend away? All you got to tell them is you're going to Atlanta for the weekend. You don't have to tell them what hotel or even if you do tell them which hotel you're in, you don't have to tell them why you're at that particular hotel or indeed that you won't be leaving that hotel while you're in Atlanta. And it's always Southern cities, these big hotel takeovers, so often Southern cities. Hmm. Makes you think. All right. Before we get to this week's listener response calls, I want to share a couple comments about last week's show posted in the comment threads at savage.love. I talked about the risks of AI dating, supercharging people's deal breakers at the top of the show last week. I've always argued it's better to have fewer deal breakers than tons of deal breakers, says class queer. While I agree with the spirit of Dan's opening, I think he was muddling two different concepts into the term deal breaker. There is a difference between I won't date a conservative, which is totally valid, IMO, and someone I date has to be six foot tall, which is exhausting. Says BGN, I'm glad Dan mentioned other vaccines recommended by the CDC in his answer to the gay uncle with the gay nephew. All gay and bi men and MSM should get the hepatitis A and Mpox vaccines in addition to their routine adult boosters for things like tetanus and their annual flu and COVID shots. Due to previous outbreaks of meningitis among gay men, BGN goes on, they should talk to their doctors about whether they should get a meningitis vaccine if they didn't receive one as a young adult. It is a lot to remember, but primary care providers are knowledgeable about recommended vaccines, and the CDC has tables on their website to help. And finally, says Boo, to the woman who's not sure about having children, please, for all that is holy, go read the Facebook page, I Regret Having Children. There are typically new posts every few days, and most of them are from women. They're absolutely heartbreaking, and many of them describe missing lives like the one the caller has now 
fun marriages, travel, spontaneous sex, sleep. All right, for more listener comments and more of my responses, check out Struggle Session, a weekly bonus column posted at savage.love exclusively for my subs. For all the perks, you can become my sub for as little as $5 right now at savage.love slash subscribe. And now, listener response calls. Hey, Dan, this response call is for episode 886 for the caller who did not know whether or not she really wanted to have children. I'm calling in as someone who mutually ended a seven and a half year relationship back in the spring because my partner and I realized we did not see eye to eye on having children. I really wasn't sure if I wanted to have kids or not. I knew that marriage was coming up for us. So what we did was I sat with the decision one decision for six months. And then I sat with the other decision for six months. So for six months, I said, yes, we are having children. And I felt how that felt in my body. And for six months, I said, no, we are not having children. And I felt how that felt in my body. And let me tell you what, not having kids felt a whole lot better than the six months of me thinking that we were going to have children. Hey, Dan, I'm calling about the uh, Love Bites episode with women with increased sensitivity to pain play. I love your response. And I don't want to presume naivety on their part. But you made no mention of the complex ways you can express limits. Safe words come in many colors, and perhaps she needs to expand her understanding. In other words, instead of using red and risk shutting down the partner, it it, uh, behooves a good sub to let her dom know when things are approaching too much. That's where a word like yellow can come in handy. It also requires the sub to better monitor the thresholds. Hey, Dan, this is in response of the woman who found out the guy she was dating had been having unprotected sex with another woman and basically was just cutting and pasting his dating style. 2023, so I'm very aware mansplaining is not a thing that we should be doing, but I'm listening to this caller and I'm thinking, really? You're not sure how to handle this? And it saddens me sometimes when I see women who are smart, sexy, competent, and then you throw a guy in the mix and they lose all agency and they question themselves. No, this dude is trash. And you're absolutely right. He shouldn't even be a friend. The fact that he was so disrespectful. And I'm just, I, I hear so many callers sometimes and are women. And I say this from a very positive place. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm also a gay man. So I'm around women all the time. And I constantly tell all my female friends, Know your worth. You're, look how amazing you are. Why are you letting some idiot make you second guess yourself? So to this woman who called in, to any woman who's listening to this, make these motherfuckers work for it. No, this guy, this not even to serve your friendship, your attention, even a mo- one more second. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? Go to savage.love slash askdan right now while that question is fresh in your mind and record your question or your comment. You can also use the voice memo app on your phone and email your question or comment to q at savage.love or leave us a message at 206-302-2064. The deadline for entering your film in Hump 2024 is coming right up December 8th. That is right around the chronological corner. Do you have an idea for a short, dirty movie? Or maybe you have some hot home video you shot with your lover 
that you want to see up on the screen at Hump. Send us your smut. There's no charge to enter Hump, and if your film gets into Hump 2024 and lots of crazy, unique stuff gets in every year, we will pay you. For all the details of getting your film into Hump, go to humpfilmfest.com slash submit. Follow me on Instagram and threads at Dan Savage. Follow me on Blue Sky at Dan Savage. And you can still find me on The Bad Place at Big Dan Savage. Follow Alicia Roth Weigel on Instagram and Twitter at XOXY underscore Alicia. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and Nancy and the tech-savvy at-risk youth. We will all be back at you next week with another all-new Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading.